0: Welcome to Career Tools. Today's show, how to introduce a presenter. Here we go. Today, we're going to talk about guidance on introducing people. I mean, how hard can that be? hey, everybody, here's Mark. He's going to talk to us today. Yeah. I mean, come on. Really? Is that, is that Yeah.
1: To, you know, part of the reason this this cast, I mean, it was on our list, but part of the reason Wendy promoted at to the top was she and I were at a client, and I gave a presentation on career skills, and before I got there, Wendy and the person who was essentially our contact, and not an administrative contact, but the organizer, the person who – essentially encourage people to come. Wendy and this guy had a long talk about me and basically, you know, Wendy was trying to help him come up with his introduction about my background, what qualified me to talk and so on and talked about manager tools and so on. And then this guy got up there and Wendy and I nearly died. He was totally uncomfortable in front of the public, which bizarre, dude, ask somebody else to do the introduction then. He couldn't read or either or either that or he couldn't remember his notes. And it
0: was a, t- a total bummer. It was like, you're kidding me, right? I mean. Right. And not, and not a bummer. I, I'll make sure people understand. Not a bummer because you felt dissed or people didn't. Right? No. It's it just, right, exactly. It's just a bad way to start a presentation. The presentation starts out poorly before the speaker even gets a chance to open his or her mouth.
1: Yeah, you know, I've told people before in career tools, when it comes to resumes, if you don't have a responsibilities paragraph followed by a list of bulleted accomplishments, there's a risk there. And the risk is if all you have is bullets, there's a fleeting thought in the mind of the recruiter or the hiring manager, oh my gosh, this person is not good. And the reason why is because people who are fired from their job don't have any accomplishments so they atomize their bullets their their responsibilities paragraph into bullets and they suggest the the visual representation of the resume is this person has accomplishments but then you read them they're just responsibilities and that's the the refuge of somebody who got fired i didn't do anything good so therefore i'll just make my responsibilities look like accomplishments same thing here if you have a great speaker You can give a great recommendation, a great introduction. You can present, you can put this person on a pedestal. If you don't have a great speaker, you can't really cobble anything together well, even if this person thought I was a great speaker, it's irrelevant. He gave an introduction that did not eliminate the possibility that I was a terrible speaker and that they couldn't get anybody better. And so they got this guy and I'm not really motivated to give a very good presentation. And so I'm not really motivated to give a really great uh, introduction because this guy's not that great, but he agreed to come and we like to have speakers. So what the heck, if you're going to have to introduce somebody and by definition, I'm assuming if you're introducing a presenter and you're having people in your audience, people in your in your organization sit there, there's a presumption that there's going to be value exchanged, at least one way exchange of value. If that's the case, then why wouldn't you do everything in your power within reason to make that presenter be effective? And starting off, the one thing you can do, other than starting on time and having the right physical setup and so on, the one thing you can do to increase the perception of credibility of a speaker is to give a good introduction and if you don't you're running the risk of telling people not only is this person not good because they're not going to assume you're a terrible introducer they're just going to assume that you had very little to work with so it's totally cross purposes it's really unprofessional if you agree to, to introduce a presenter a speaker you ought to do it right
0: yeah There's a reason. There's a role.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, look, we have three recommendations. First of all, you got to talk to the presenter way ahead of time or some representative of the speaker to talk about, okay, what can I do, right? What do I need to know? Uh, And and the second thing, there are three paragraphs. It's, It's like a thank you note in a way. Three paragraphs. Who the presenter is, how he or she relates to your institution, your organization, whatever. And then three, establish subject matter credibility. So who, relationship to your organization, and finally, credibility. Uh, And then number three, what you have to do after you've got the data, after you've constructed your introduction, then you have to practice. And ideally, you do that in the space that you're going to be using. If you can't do that because all the way across the country, we understand that. But if it's convenient logistically, we recommend you do that as well.
0: Good. Okay. So we have a lot of sharp listeners, right? People who are listening to us yes. are uh, above average in intelligence and education and all those things that, some of the things that, that matter in life. So ask in way ahead of time. So probably, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes prior to the presentation. Yeah, is way. yeah way, way ahead of time, 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, <laughs> it's, not like last, it's not like the last minute. Way ahead of time. So as opposed
1: to my answer would be no way. <laughs> Yeah, starting 10 minutes before the presentation to get the information is a total failure. And frankly, if that happens, if I'm a presenter and somebody comes up and says, what do you want me to say? I look at them like, and they always assume that I'm being arrogant and I'm not. I'm just like, dude, it's your job. You knew you had to present a speaker. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Frankly, based on how unprofessional you're behaving right now, your opinion of me doesn't matter very much to me, but Dude, 10 minutes before, you think you can cobble something together that'll take the role that you have and maximize your effectiveness? It's as if somebody says, well, I'm just going to mail this in. It's not important.
0: I, I like the fact that you call it total failure. My advice results in total, total failure. absolute right. failure. Good. Okay. Thanks.
1: <laughs> Even if in those 10 minutes, you're brilliant enough to get all the relevant information and turn it into something coherent, frankly, your presenter might be the nervous type. Apparently, Wendy wrote this not thinking about me, but- and he or she isn't really able to be comfortable answering those questions. Maybe they're nervous and they just don't want to talk to you and they, they're going through their speech and they're not ready. And if you're not ready 10 minutes beforehand and your speaker is nervous or, or can't, can't really answer you effectively or, or essentially brushes you off, what are you going to do? Say, my introduction is so important, even though I didn't prepare for my work here today that you you should take your mind off the potential value of the presentation and how good you're going to be and answer my questions you can't elevate yourself above the speaker if the speaker's going to talk for any time longer than your introduction is going to be relying on you being clever and glib which you high-eyes do all the time and relying as well on the presenter being lucid and squared away and or for that matter not being on the phone And why wouldn't you want your presenter going over the key points? Um, Those are mistakes. And they're mistakes that are controllable. And at the end of this cast, you're going to know how to control them. And then you'll be good at this. Look, make getting the material for your introduction of a speaker part of your planning process for the event. I was in an event in San Antonio a year or two ago. And – Frankly, it was a little irritating how much information they asked about me and then the introducer did a terrible job of it. But I thought, okay, at least this is an event that's dotting its I's and crossing its T's and getting everything together, right? At least they're asking me all the stuff that a good presenter introducer, okay, that's not a word, uh, a good uh, person to introduce the the speaker uh, is going to have all the raw data he or she needs. Put that task of getting the right information Toward the beginning of the plan you have in terms of the event, assuming the event is the speech, uh, simply because that's one thing, that's the last opportunity you have to send a message to the audience, pay attention to this person. And not only because of time, but also because of energy in the room and so on it's it's much more important than a sign in the building it's much more important than than the email that goes out which half of the world is going to ignore you really have an opportunity and it's not hard to do it takes 10 minutes maybe but it's not the 10 minutes right before you're starting Some presenters look, we you know, standard introduction, they want you to use it. And look, if in fact you have a standard introduction and they say, use this, this is what I want you to say, use that and you could skip step two and go right to practicing. No brainer, save yourself a step. You can certainly ask the presenter how he'd like or she'd like to be introduced by email or you can have a short conversation. Not all presenters know what the right questions to have you ask or to be ready to answer if they're new in their role. And you know what? If you're introducing a manager, let's say you're in an investment bank and you want somebody from the derivatives desk to talk to a bunch of your bankers about, who knows, something happening overseas. Uh, Maybe this person specializes in international derivatives. Okay. If they are the vice chair of the firm, okay, everybody knows who they are. And certainly, A third of your audience is going to Google them internally on the internal company website and read their bio and see how important they are. But if they're not a vice chair, maybe they're not even a managing director, maybe they're just a a director, well, okay, what kind of credibility do they have? What kind of deals have they been on and so on? And if you want your audience to benefit from them, particularly if your audience is your team, why not make them sound good? It's mind boggling to me why now, I I know people say, Oh, I'm too busy and introductions aren't important. Introductions are important. If you're gonna ask a group of people to sit in front of somebody for an hour, which is inherently sitting in somebody in front of somebody for an hour is an inherently not trivial physical task with Blackberries and iPhones and Androids in front of everybody the whole time, you may have to ask some questions and We'll share with you those questions here in just a second. Look, don't hesitate to ask the presenter what he or she wants to be emphasized. You're going to need to summarize, probably, in order to make a natural, comfortable, flowing introduction. And you don't want to cut out the one thing that he'd like you to say. It may, in fact, be a solid recommendation or solid introduction, but if you cut out the one thing he or she wants you to say, it won't be a great relationship builder. That's for sure,
0: right? And, and you have to assume that the presenter knows his, her, or her topic better than the person doing the introduction, and so that and that one point yeah. that the presenter wants to make sure is covered or emphasized might be important in terms of gaining credibility for the subject yeah, at hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know,
1: a, a lot of times people say, well, he's my friend, so I don't have to do a good job of introducing him. Well, what you're saying is my relationship is what's important here. Well, your relationship is fine, but it has nothing to do with the value of the hour or the 20 minutes or the two hours or the five hours or the eight hours that your folks are going to spend listening to this person right? Your job is to maximize value from the presentation. That means the last thing that happens before the presentation ought to increase the chances that the audience wants to hear, does hear, and learns from the presentation. So in the next step, we're going to ask you how to construct the three paragraphs we we mentioned earlier, who the presenter is, how he relates, and, and what experience he brings. Make sure you get these questions answered in order to construct the actual introduction you're going to do.
0: Good. Now, it seems like this three-paragraph structure you mentioned, very similar to a, a thank you note. It's not. Well, th- is similar in the sense that it has three paragraphs.
1: The reason why is because in a thank you note, okay, it can't be terribly long because you're trying to say thank you. Asking someone to listen to you for a long time is not a thankful thing. It is a demanding thing. By the same way, an introduction is not supposed to be important. It's supposed to set up something that's important. A little bit of humility is actually good. And this is just a case where a simple rule of thumb, a simple structure makes it really, really easy. If you're introducing several presenters over the course of a day and one person gives you nothing and another person gives you 20 pages – Having to sort through those twenty pages and decide a is more important than B and more important than C is work, and we don't want it to be work. We want to make it simple you're not going to get more value by a longer presentation yeah introduction you're not. I've done it before. It doesn't work. You getting up there and telling a story that either relates to you and the person in your relationship, again, your relationship with them, not that important, right? A story about them that may be interesting or humorous makes you the speaker and not your, your actual speaker. You're the introducer. You're the presenter of the presenter. That's all. You're supposed to be helping at the last little bit and then go away. But if you tell a long story and the presenter is not a storyteller and people remember your story later, and all it does to serve is make the person appear human or make the person uh, uh, appear funny or self-deprecating, I mean, they're cute. And, and maybe people might say, boy, that was a great story you told in the beginning. Why do you want them to focus on you? You don't. You want them to focus on the value the presenter is going to present. So it's three short paragraphs. Each paragraph no more than three sentences, which does, you know, it's very much like a thank you note, because thematically they do the same thing. One is designed to convey something to someone else without getting in the way. A thank you note, which goes on for paragraph after paragraph after paragraph, is a demand of somebody else's time and you're getting in the way. An introduction that takes too long or that leaves something out that precludes the audience from learning what they need to know. Again, gets in the way. You need to give the audience the information which helps them understand the context, but not take the attention away from her. And, of course, if it comes away from her, it's going to go to you, and that's not good. So, three things. First, who the presenter is. Start with a sentence. And, by the way, for those of you with the interviewing series, that first sentence, that first short declarative sentence, hopefully with as few commas as possible, that starts your Give me an example of an accomplishment question. That's the kind of sentence we want. A sentence which includes the speaker's name and follow that with no more than two sentences describing who he is. For example... Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very happy we have uh, Mark Horseman with us today. Oh, God, I have to read this. Uh, he, is, <laughs> he right. He, he is, Wendy wrote this for me. He's the co-founder of Manager Tools, a weekly podcast helping managers with practical steps to be more effective. He's a graduate of West Point, former Procter & Gamble, uh, and he consulted to many Fortune 1000 1, companies during his consulting practice.
0: And a great guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she left that out. Well,
1: the guy we're on the phone with this morning said I was arrogant. So, oh, well. So, that's three sentences. That's the first paragraph. Second paragraph, how he or she relates to your organization, okay? The next paragraph, this paragraph needs to explain the the so what. Okay, this is who he is. Why does he bring value to us? What's the connection between his background, his value that he provides other people with us specifically, right? Once you finish the first paragraph, you've led the audience to believe, okay, the speaker is accomplished. But if you're if you're studying foreign affairs and this person is an expert in cost accounting for industrial firms, there's no connection. Okay. So you've got to tie your speaker to the organizations or slash to the audience in order to make the person relevant. In other words, expertise or value or, or presence And now we make the connection. So the presence is going to be channeled. The expertise is going to be delivered. It's not, doesn't exist without context. It's within context. It's within the context of the organization. And again, no more than three sentences. So Mark has been a consultant to our CEO, Bill Smith, for many years. He's been working with the distribution division. I know that many of you have met him. In addition, he tells me he has all of our products. So in other words, I work with the CEO. Some of you know me. So hopefully they'll remind their buddies that in fact, I'm a good guy, or at least intelligent or valuable. And third, I'm also a customer.
0: Yeah, and then the only thing re- remaining is establishing the speaker's credibility on the subject. On the subject, exactly, right? The first thing is who I am, and, and then the second
1: thing is what's the context for that expertise or that value, that that impressiveness, if in fact you want to use a word like that. And then the third thing is, okay, now connect it to the actual topic at hand. You've got to introduce the the subject, the specific subject, the speaker, your speaker is going to cover and their qualification to do so. And what it does is it lifts up the speaker a little bit so they can build on by deliver. When they deliver value, they'll make you look good. You were right. And you will have made it easier for them to do so by saying, this is a person who's smart in an area that we need to hear from smart people in. And the last sentence of this paragraph has an extra burden of being the handoff sentence. So, It might sound like this. Mark is going to talk today about hiring practices. He was a recruiter for years, um, believes in keeping the bar high. I heard him say earlier that it takes 20 hours of interviews to get a job with him. Um, Wendy Wendy would know that. (laughs) Mark, thank you for being here with us. I'm excited to find out how that works in practice. So the stage is yours. And unfortunately, if you're not prepared, I've told, gosh, when I coach presenters, I say, own your opening and own your closing. If you're not prepared and you don't know to own your opening, you don't know to own your closing, and you stumble through, and maybe a couple of your sentences are well formed and phrased, but then at the end, you don't really know in advance the closing phrase you're going to make. It's awkward, I promise you, having been introduced a thousand times in my life, standing in the wings waiting to be introduced while they talk about you with your head down, grimacing as the introducing person totally screws it up. And it's not about the presenter. It's just about the presenter knows, well, this audience is going to be, it's harder work for me. Thank you very much. If they don't know when to come out and the introducer has to turn to the presenter and say, okay, it's your turn. But in fact, there was no evidence that that was the last sentence they were going to say. Or if they have a perfectly turned sentence and then they have to end it with, okay, so Mark, I guess your turn. (laughs) Really? No. So Mark, thank you for being here with us. I'm excited to find out how that works in practice. I'll give you the stage.
0: I love the fact that you included the excitement, right? The, The person doing the introduction said they were excited. If I'm in the audience and the person doing the introduction is not excited, why would I possibly be right? Yeah. There's actually two things that are related to that. One is
1: saying excited and the other is rehearsing so well that you can actually make people believe it. I've been introduced hundreds of times from a podium and I tell people I won't speak from behind a podium. And they say the person gets up there. It doesn't know, you know, and and frankly, the organization or the business conference, the industry event or whatever, uh, the trade show, whatever, has asked for my information. They put together an introduction. There's a book of speaker introductions on the podium. Some person who's not ready, doesn't know me, has no interest in me, doesn't know how to introduce somebody, goes up to the front, flips open the book, and reads a paragraph that maybe they cobbled together from something they asked me for, and it doesn't come across. And there are two factors. One is they don't believe it, and two, they didn't practice it.
0: Wait a minute. Three paragraphs, no more than three sentences each, equals nine paragraphs, or nine, nine sentences. sentences. Yeah. Nine sentences. And you're going to say we have to practice it?
1: Really? Yeah. Look, what is it going to take? Five or 10 minutes? Here's the thing. It's almost as if, hey, the speaker's important, but let's do everything we can in our power to reduce the chances that he or she's going to be successful. It's not hard. It's Look, you can carry around a sheet of paper with it and say it in your head a bunch of times. <laughs> And then you could start singing it out loud. You could, you, I mean, look, you're sitting in a, in, in a subway car, put on your headphones and make people think that you're listening to iTunes and hopefully Jimmy Buffett and say it out loud, read it and say, ladies and gentlemen, I'm very happy we have Mark Horseman here with us today. Thank you for being here with us. I'm excited, blah, 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 with all the all the stuff in between. Uh, it is really weird saying an introduction for me. So any speaking that you're going to do in front of an audience needs to be practiced out loud. I'm sorry. Somebody said to me the other day, it's just like, he said, this is the third time I've been to an effective manager conference. Um, I resisted the urge to say, I feel bad. Like (laughs) come next time for free. He says, no, no, I keep coming back because I learn so much each time. He said, but it's slightly different each time. He says, don't you rehearse? I looked and I said, that's the whole point. I've rehearsed it so many times. And when I change a slide, I have to rehearse the slide changes. That I don't have to worry about the script. It's people who haven't rehearsed unless they're a politician and they know exactly what words to punch in a written speech. If you've rehearsed it enough and you're totally confident about the, the, the material, then you could say it differently every time and you know whether or not the sentence is different, but the meaning is the same to the vast majority of the audience. But I I don't get it. I don't get the idea that you invite somebody or maybe you don't invite somebody. Your boss invites somebody. By the way, folks, this is something you could delegate to one of your directs. If you're comfortable speaking in front of audiences but one of your directs isn't, tell your direct, reach out to our guest speaker next week in the staff meeting. Find out who he is, what he does, and where he does it, and construct the nine sentences. And then you will go to the front of the room and you will introduce the guest speaker. And then afterwards, give him or her two minutes worth of feedback about the, the introduction. And when they say, well, gee, I don't know how to do it, say, look, go listen to this podcast. It's 30 minutes long. And for the rest of your life, you'll know how to do it. And what would be wrong if somebody got, if the word got around that, man, ask Ozan to be the introducer. He's good. And you get up in front of more and more and more people all during your career. How is that a bad thing? What amounts to 15 or 20 minutes worth of work, right? No one is such a good speaker. They don't need to practice. People say, oh, you're a great speaker. It's so effortless. No, it's not effortless. It's freaking hard work. And it's hard work when nobody's around. I actually, uh, um, somebody came to the house today. I'm I'm at home today, recording from home. And they wanted to see the house, like on a home tour kind of thing. Okay. And I'm standing in the middle of the living room with a couple of cards going over a little talk I've got to give in preparation for some video we're going to do. Because it just wasn't working. I, I wrote the sentence. I didn't like the sentence. And then finally, finally, I realized the reason I didn't like it was it was hard to read out loud. And so I couldn't read it in my head. And I had to change it. And the person said, what are you doing? And I looked at him and, I, and I'm sure this makes me a bad person. I said, I'm working. Sorry. <laughs> um, you know, this is work. So uh, look, you want your speaking to be clear and easily understood And that comes from practice. And if you don't practice out loud, you won't know what sentences are hard and which ones are easy. But then the other thing is you want to convey that enthusiasm. And you can't convey enthusiasm while you're reading. You can't convey enthusiasm if you don't know what the next sentence, the next word, the next paragraph is going to say. Okay? If you're nervous, you're going to end up talking more quickly. The audience is going to surmise that you want this to be over with, which doesn't send a good message about you or about your presenter. They'll equate that with you not liking the speaker or you not wanting to be in front of the audience in preparation for someone else speaking. Frankly, I think um, rehearsing is is going out of style. And part of me says, like those folks who write in and say, "Can can I keep manager tools just to myself and not tell anyone else my organization?" I feel like okay. Nobody else prepare. Nobody else rehearse. You know, me and a few of my friends will do it and we'll outperform you. And then lastly, obviously, it's ideal if you can do this in the space you're going to be present. the pre- presenter is going to be in. If you can practice at least once, uh, it may be the day of, it may be an hour before, but you could do that. It's very different. different practicing in your hotel room as opposed to speaking in front of a large ballroom. If the room you need to work in is being set up, So much the better. There are distractions. That's good. If you can make yourself heard and understood of the noise of the catering staff, the food and beverage people, the housemen, and so on, you'll make yourself heard over the people in the audience as well. Good. Not hard. I'm sure there are people listening. I can't believe they're telling me how to do this. Folks, part of the reason we're telling you how to do this is we've seen it done poorly so many times. I'm sure there were times when I thought to myself, well, I'm glad I'm good because I'm sure enough to dig him out of the hole that he put me in right? I want the audience to have a great experience, not because I want them to like me, because I want them to learn. The better experience they have, the more they're going to learn. The deeper the hole they're in, the harder the presenter has to work. Not fair, not good. So recap, get the information way ahead of time, weeks ahead of time. And you've got three paragraphs with nine sentences total, three times three, who the presenter is, how he or she relates to the institution or organization. And then lastly, credibility on the subject matter. And then practice, and ideally do it in the place where you're actually going to do the presentation, do the introduction. You know, it's one of those things where the absence of effectiveness is what is noticed. Making an introduction, if you do it elegantly, which takes work in advance, but not that much, and you'll get better every time, is barely noticed, okay? If it's done poorly, the audience notices. And worse off, the presenter notices too, and he starts off or she starts off poorly, And this is one of those things that professionals know. You can't mail it in. You have to work at it a little bit. And once you get good at it, it's something that distinguishes you from other people. It's just part of being a professional.
0: It's worth doing well. Excellent. All right, my friend. Thank you. Thanks, partner. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it. Hope you enjoyed it. And hope to see you back here again next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.